Hey guys, it's John Diner from Reconcinimation. Before we start this, this episode, just wanted to preface it with a note that we did record this a few weeks back. We try to get ahead of our recordings when we can. We originally timed this episode to uh, launch when the NCAA Finals were playing, which, as we all know, are not happening now. And things got a little crazy. So with all the coronavirus and everything and everyone's lives kind of being turned upside down, we wanted to uh, pull this episode up a little bit early and get it out to you guys now and kind of ramp up our content. So uh, please enjoy. Just note that we were hoping to air this uh, later in the month, so you might hear a couple things referenced that are not happening now. But uh, sit back and enjoy Hoosiers. We're going to be a tough team to beat. Now you come along for the ride. A tough coach. He turned losers into fighters. Enemies into friends. I play, coach stays, he goes, I go. Challenges into triumphs. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential, in my book, we're going to be winners. Hoosiers, it'll go straight to your heart. Rated PG. Starts tomorrow at selected theaters near you. Well, welcome back to the show, everybody. This is Reconcinimation, your podcast where we talk about our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and we look at how they hold up today. I am John Diner. And I'm Dave Munchak. And uh, we've got, God, what a great month we're having. This is uh, this is March yeah. 2020 still. Yeah, we're there. We've had uh, we had our our winter wonderland in January, February, and then we've had a hot month in March. We've got, you know, our our Lord and Savior Kurt Russell's birthday, and we had used cars a, a few weeks back, and then mm-hmm. of course we had our our uh, ongoing celebration of Friday the Thirteenth with Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. Of course, and it was great. To, yeah, it was great to have Brent Hutchins on the show with us as well. And uh, we've got a great episode here today. And uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, all month long, if anyone's been following our social media, which I know many of you have, uh, we've had our Top Cop of the 80s tournament going all month long. And we are here in the finals. I'm not going to spoil who's in it, but, uh, you know, check back. And it's been a fun, it was a fun little tournament. We just came up with kind of last minute, but it was a fun, fun uh, look back. Yeah, look back at the, all the favorite cops of various movies from the 80s. Um, some surprises, some advancements, uh, and, and some surprising seeds and matchups. It's been a fun ride. I think, uh, you know, we we don't have to... We're not the definitive voice of all these things, but I think our fans and, and us leading the charge, we get to really uh, cultivate, you know, who is the top cop of the 80s. And uh, your participation is needed, so... Lend your voice, head over to twitter.com slash reconsinimation, and uh, lend your voice to the finals. Who will be the number one 80s top cop? It was crazy in the first round, both mm-hmm. Riggs and Murtog were almost eliminated. I wanted them to go so bad. I know, I did too. It was <laughs> like Al Powell beating Murtog just would have been would have been great. 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of um, it's kind of a uh, it's a little difficult putting in the first round two black cops against each other, and you know it's kind of unfair. But you know what, Al Powell didn't didn't expect him to go against Murtaugh early on, and you know Murtaugh made his way through, so good for him. You know, yeah, listen, yeah, that's fine. But uh, go is going down to the wire here. We're going to end up with some very choice uh, selection. So your voice is needed. Vote, vote your heart. Tell us what it is. Get there, Twitter. Yeah, and and we'll talk about it on the next episode of Reconsideration. Whoever the winner is, and uh, we'll run these tournaments every so often. We did it at Christmas time. We we'll do it. We're doing it again now. <clears throat> and we have a few. I think we'll maybe do villain '80s villains sometime. It, it'll be mm. fun. But uh, so stay 80s. tuned on our social media there for that. Can, can we do a top '70s animated character uh, tournament? How big would that be? How many '70s <laughs> animated characters? Like, <laughs> like cartoon characters? Yes, absolutely. Have to be uh, cartoon characters, hand drawn. Oh yeah, we can do that. That'll be fun. We can do that. That's a short one, right? That's a short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of <laughs> we're picking characters for, like a lot of characters from the same movie, I guess, to, to jump in the sixty-four <laughs> part tournament, right? <laughs> but you know what, David? None of those are the reasons why we're here today. We are here for a very <laughs> special movie and a very yeah. special person. And we are celebrating. This is the beginning of what's going to take us all the way through April. Mm-hmm. It's Hackathon 2020. Gene Hackman. We're going to look back at his career and and kind of take a look through the 80s and back into the 70s. Kind of going in reverse, I think. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Gene just turned 90. A, a young, spry 90 years old. And uh, we wanted yes. to celebrate him since he hasn't actually been on the show yet, believe it or not. Yeah, nothing we've covered has uh, featured Gene Hackman, so I'm ready to like, like listen. We don't have to like start from the beginning with his career. Let's start with something that is iconic, something that uh, resonates with us as uh, people in this era of this the '80s, '90s movies. And um, you know, there's so many films of of Gene Hackman we can look at, and uh, I'm excited that we can just start the ball rolling because even though we're we're doing Hackathon. This won't be the only time we're doing Gene Hackman, so there's tons oh, of no, movies to no. cover in the future. Um, but we're going to have some fun with the next couple of weeks, couple of couple of months with Hackathon. Yeah, we um, we actually only mentioned Gene Hackman one time in the history of this show, and our back in our Simple Plan episode uh, a few months back, which uh, you can check out in the archives www.reconcinemation.com. Uh, so yeah, only one mention for Gene, but it kind of triggered it in my head. I'm like, wait a minute, I love Gene Hackman, and how yeah. have we not brought him into the world of reconsinimation? Yeah, considering the eras that we're talking about, like Gene should have showed up much earlier. So I'm going to issue a formal apology to Mr. Gene Hackman. Sorry, you haven't been featured on the show yet, um, but we are willing and able to make up for that right now in the 2020 Hackathon. Pew, pew, well, pew. he. He registers your uh, apology. He's actually, believe it or not, he's sitting in here in the booth with me, uh, well, just kind of, kind of staring at me. I don't know that, that for sure. Look. I don't know that for sure because you're in an undisclosed location on the lot. I think you might be making that up. I don't know, but listen, I'll take your word for it. So, hi, Gene. Thanks for showing up. Appreciate it. The- Yep, he's he's nodding, and he's you know right after we're done recording, he's going to stay in this booth, and this is where he records his Lowe's commercials. So, 
yeah. Why don't you put him on mic if he's there? Why don't you just put him on mic just for he's, a second? No, he's giving me hi. the nod. He's giving. He does. No, it's our show. He doesn't want to. No. Okay. Gene, no, you want a coffee there. though, Gene? Okay. Uh, all right. Well, that, I mean, that's uh, what a missed opportunity for Gene Hackman to show up. Uh, he just publicly. he wants us to just get into it. So. Okay. All right. Well, let's do that. What are we doing today? <laughs> we are. So we're going to start Hackathon 2020. With uh, a look back at the 1986 Gene Hackman classic, Hoosiers. Hoosiers. Yeah, and especially it's it's perfect timing because March Madness is here. The NCAA sure. tournament, it's all coming to an end. It's been a frenzy all month long. And, uh, yes. You know, so it was a perfect timing. Why not talk about, uh, you know, a high school basketball tournament? Everyone loves high school basketball. Well, it's I got, definitely do. I, I do too. High school and college ball are uh, I don't know they're they're so much more and college football too like so much more exciting than your your pro games. That's true. I mean I get that. I, I get that to a certain point for sure. Yeah. Well, you, you know they're not there. There is a lot more drive with these guys. Like they're not playing for money. They're playing to get to that level. But there is no money involved yet. So it's it's just about something else. Right. They ha- it's about something else. The success of a team, uh, young people come together. Um, you know, they have those hoop dreams mm. cool. to be number well. one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, sports is very important to, you know, young people development. Uh, this is that's why it's popular among uh, uh, educational uh, facilities and all of that. And yeah, so we're talking we're talking Hoosiers, a movie that takes place, what, in the 50s? Uh, Indiana, yes. Indiana, the the probably the basketball state, right? I mean, is that? I oh yeah, that's where basketball was was born, and and that's where its heart and soul resides. Yeah. Uh, when I'm going to ask the same question I ask every week, David, when was the first time you saw Hoosiers? I saw Hoosiers in the I want to say mid '90s, probably. I, I mean, mm. I might have actually seen clips like in the late 80s early 90s but i remember being in a classroom or at least the room where we would watch movies uh before before high school i so i'd seen movies mm. before high school and uh uh yeah enjoyed it i mean it was hackman you know it was lex luther <laughs> teaching yeah. kids how to play ball as far yeah, as i was yeah. concerned and then as and as someone who was terrible at sports and doesn't care for sports um I enjoy the heck out of it. Uh, you know, I, I, I get the idea of that team mentality. Um, I get the idea of, of trying to be better than you were, learning to be something new, uh, something and being part of something greater than yourself. Basketball, sports, all that shit. Yeah. So I so years ago, um, I don't. Know I thought you I, were describing. I thought you were describing working at Recon Cinema Studios. <laughs> <laughs> well, I this is bigger than myself, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we know that. But uh, uh, <laughs> I think, and then I've, I, I've, I've revisited Hoosiers in the past, probably not a lot of straight start-to-finish uh, viewings, but anytime mm-hmm. I've ever seen any bit of it or talked about it, um, I, know, I mean, I, I've enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I carry with... Uh, um, uh, I, I, I carry a, I guess, a warm feeling for this film um, throughout my life. But what about you? When was the first time you saw it? 
Well, wait, wait. I got I got a two parter to that question. Well, oh, there's when a second was, part to. Okay. Yeah, yeah. When was the first time you remember seeing Gene Hackman? Oh, it was definitely Superman, like probably 1980, like three. You know, or, you know, I was yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, I was a child. I was a, I was, I didn't, I couldn't even form sentences. I knew, I recognized Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor. So. Yeah. Um, same. Same with me. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's common for a lot of people our age. Um, yeah, I think that was that. like his big movie or movies at the time, in the early '80s. So. Yeah, it's really a um, big mainstream film that you know that mm-hmm. was constantly replayed and and beloved for many years. And uh, yeah. Gene Hackman is one of the consummate actors of that generation. No surprise. Anyway. But yeah. so yeah, Lex Luthor. What about so Hoosiers for you? This came out in '86. I'm assuming you were in the theater that year. I mean, I don't even know. No, actually, um, yeah. The first time I remember seeing Hackman was was like you said, Lex Luthor. I had Superman one and two, and maybe three on Betamax. So mm, I don't wow. even remember which one of them I saw first because they one and two just blended together to me for so like so many years when I was a kid. Sure. Um, but yeah, he was Lex Luthor. And then, you know, right after that part four came out, which I did see in the theaters. So he was like completely <laughs> only Lex Luthor to me for so long. And then, yeah. uh, I don't remember what movie it was where he sort of, I think it was like when I saw Mississippi burning, I didn't see it as a kid, but like seeing the poster and commercials for it. Um, yeah. I think that was the movie it was like, Oh, he's, an actor who plays other characters. He's not only Lex <laughs> yeah. Luthor. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, he got into his bigger swing in the 90s after Unforgiven, and, and it was kind of a hot streak for him. But yeah. um, Hoosiers, I saw for the first time. So when I was a kid, my grandfather used to come up. He lived in, in Yonkers, and he would come up to our house in Westchester and uh, Sunday mornings, so my dad would pick up a movie on the way home on Friday nights from the video store. We'd watch something, you know, your Ferris Bueller's, your Ernest Goes to Camp, you know, that, that uh, yeah, yeah, that kind of, yeah, um, Whitewater Summer, you know, that kind of stuff. But uh, my grandfather would, would pick up usually, like, a darker movie or a, just heavier material, and would come up Sunday mornings, and then he and I would watch a movie together Sunday mornings. And I don't know, my parents probably went somewhere, but uh, Hoosiers was one of those movies. So probably 1988, somewhere in, somewhere that year is where I first saw it. And my first memories of it are was just the slow pace of it was mm-hmm. tough for me as a kid. Yeah. Um, obviously, the, it's an amazing film but i didn't really rediscover it until well twice actually high school i i had a sports literature class which sports was literature? fantastic what, yeah what is that about how do you what's that about what do you do in that we would read high? we would read books of okay so we would do two things we read books of like the the books that movies were based on like the you know field of dreams and uh i think eight men out and a couple Mm. other ones and then sometimes we would just watch (laughs) we would just watch sports movies and and hoosiers was the one we watched in class and uh so i then it it like registered like oh yeah i remember this movie it's fantastic and and i loved it then but then the second time i rediscovered it was 
after I moved to L.A., I was the manager of a, uh, a very successful softball team in the primetime television softball league. Oh, boy. And okay. it was like, yeah. <laughs> here I go on my soapbox uh, again about uh, softball. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but it was what? it was like I was the Norman Dale of that team, okay? Yeah, I was the Gene Hackman of the team. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I took over season two of a show we were on and took the team that had, you know, just there was some diamonds in the rough, but they needed to be shaped. And over the course of five years, we went from, you know, the fourth – out of four ranked teams. And by the end, by the time I retired, we had won back-to-back championships and we were undefeated the last season. So wow, it was a very difficult, challenging, but rewarding experience. So did, did but, you beat teams like the final season of scrubs team? The, what kind of teams uh, were you beating back then? Our first, our first big win was over family guy. Okay, he's like down family and then, guy. Yep, and then Grey's Anatomy, they were undefeated, and we snapped that streak. Nice. Uh, CSI, but our big rivals were uh, the our big rivals were Bones and The Tonight Show, and uh, the Bones wow. r- r- rivalry was very ugly. We had a bench clearing brawl. It was what? There was a lot of. I'm telling you, there's a lot of drama. Had you lived this with me, you would have seen why it was very Hoosiers like. Wow, I had no idea. I was I was in our championship game against the Tonight Show. I was like challenging illegal players, and it was it was uh, amazing. <laughs> You're saying but the Tonight Show had had ringers brought in that they didn't had, actually oh, yeah, work yeah. on staff. Yeah, their pit their pitcher their pitcher was a ringer, and I actually paid money to challenge that he was not legal to be on the field, and the league uh, basically brushed it off. They took my money, and then they brushed it off. What you, is that? What happens in that? You you have to pay money for like a yeah like you you got to pay like yeah you got to pay like twenty bucks and then they, uh, they review what you're accusing them of yeah what but you know what <laughs> you know what it did not matter because we won anyway Still won. and Still and won. it was it was a very Hoosiers like game because we were losing like the the first half of the game we were down, like the players were starting to get down on themselves. And, you know, a couple of us helped, you know, turn it around to get the attitude to stop. And then, uh, you know, just focus on one hit at a time. And you know what? We won those championships with singles and doubles. That's how you do it. Fundamentals, and a few baby. home runs. So. <laughs> and a, anyway, a bunch that was of great. crushing home runs. <laughs> I wish all of you were with me there. Um, it was it was a fantastic time. So, you but during that, had I, your glory days. Yeah, you yeah, was, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but so ahead. talking about what we were talking about earlier in sports movies, you know, there's so many, you know, high profile sports movies that, you know, a good sports movie is gonna involve an audience even if they don't like sports it's all about the story they're telling and getting you know you know hopefully you can get past it's about football or basketball or baseball or wrestling or whatever um you know you can identify with the characters and and get behind whatever it is they're trying to do i mean usually you have your kind of standard uh, comeback stories, your your rags to riches kind of deals, but um, 
you know, where do you rank? Like, where's Hoosiers in your sports movie list? Overall sports movies, not just basketball movies. Yeah, just in uh, general. I mean, I don't need the exact slot, but. I'm going to go with top 10. There's top 10. Yeah. Yeah. Top 10. I mean, I've got Teen Wolf in there. I've yeah. got I've got Space Jam. Um, I've got Like Mike. You know, these things, <laughs> these are <laughs> like seminal Mike. pieces of. And then all Bill happen Murray. to be basketballs. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Murray in Space Jam is uh, is golden. Golden. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, uh, sports movies, top, 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 yeah, top 10, I guess. I don't know. I've, I don't really think about it. I, you know, I really like, I mean, t- talking about actual, like, basketball movies I like. I mean, White Men Can't Jump. I really like that one. Uh, Semi Pro, funny. Space Jam, yep. fun for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, and Teen Wolf. Yeah, that's it. So, that. <laughs> I, I love those picks. There. I love those. Those are those are great. Other than that, you know, you got your baseballs, kind of. Your, of course, league of their own. Um, yep. Actually, wait they, a minute. Just thinking of it, this is the fifth sports movie that we've covered on this show. We've done so many sports movies, and ah, sports sucks. <laughs> we did. We did four sports movies in uh, year one of Reconcinimation. All of those are available in the archives at www.reconcinimation.com. We what covered Rocky. We, Rocky. we covered Rocky. We did Slapshot. We did A League of Their Own, and which was a Penny Marshall sort of retrospective as well. And uh, Bad News Bears. That's a lot of uh, that's a lot of sports. That's we were sportsing it up. Season we're two one. men. We're two men. We love sports. Like, let's just admit it. You know, men, sports. That's our thing. Wasn't there? Wasn't there a Lonely Island, uh, like, short that they did about we love sports? Something like that. They have a song. I think on one of their albums about. I remember seeing a video and... for it too. It must. Yeah, have been they probably on, did like SNL. Yeah, they might have done like a digital short, but yeah. Yeah, how great sports are. So yeah, uh, listen, everybody loves sports in some way, even if you're not a participant. I mean, most people have seen a com- competitive sports event uh, and can understand that it's human beings facing off against each other, trying to uh, best each other and and rise above their own failures as people. And that's what that the great sports movies do. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's the really, uh, the, the sports aspect is really just a setting in, in the better sports movies. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's just a way for the characters to, you know, overcome adversity, usually achieve something for themselves. And, you know, there's so many great sports movies like The Natural and Rocky and uh, Field of Dreams. Actually, Field of Dreams kind of bumps down on the list for me a little bit over time, but... Moneyball is great. Happy Gilmore, The Wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a, a Kurt, a modern day Kurt classic. Well, Alaska. I still consider it modern. Miracle. Oh, Miracle. Not a lot. Oh yeah. wait, Miracle Alaska. No. <laughs> wait, no, wasn't just called Miracle. Wasn't just called That's Alaska. That's a different movie. Wait, what <laughs> Miracle's movie? a hockey movie. Oh damn it! <laughs> Sorry, never mind. Uh, Major League, Bull Durham. I love those movies. We're definitely going to sure. co- cover up. Uh, let's cover Major League, like, maybe when we get to the World Series this year. Yeah. I mean, 
And then but maybe before uh, basketball season ends, we do Joanna Man. I don't know. What do you think? It's po- anything's possible. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch that's Joanna my way, Man. That's my Good way shit. of saying no. Ah, <laughs> oh, darn it. <laughs> Did the Olsen twins do a sports movie? Because we should do that Probably. one, too. Yeah. Somewhere in the 90s. They, they were lacrosse players or something like that. What about the, yeah. the skating one, uh, Cutting Edge? Cutting Edge. I love that with D.B. Yeah. Sweeney and the, that woman I don't remember the name of. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Gene's chanting DB, DB, D. Okay, <laughs> all right, Gene, I got it. You want to do? Put him on. Maybe, uh, maybe he'll him. come on on mic for that one. We'll see. He could go on mic right now, Gene. We love you here. Come, he's tell just, us your he's, thoughts about Hoosiers. He's feeling shy. He's feeling shy. He's got a coffee now, so I think he just wants like, to enjoy that. It's almost like I don't think he's there, but yeah. Anyway, Hoosiers. Uh, so we're getting into this one, right? I mean. Yeah. Is this like so, kind of the first mainstream basketball movie? Like what were people watching basketball movies before this? I don't even know. I really I want to say yes. I mean, I, I off the top of my head, I can't think of a a movie, a successful, you know, basketball movie. I know there was White Shadow on TV. That was in the 70s, but yeah. um I can't think of another basketball movie. I mean, Teen Wolf would have been before this, but uh, besides that, yeah. Right. Right. I mean, that's right in the right in the middle of the whole thing, though. Right. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You wouldn't see. What a was lot it? Of... I mean, I. What What started the sports? It probably was Rocky, right? That started the whole sports movie. You know, movement that that really swept through the '80s and '90s, and and still goes through today, but. I mean, maybe. I mean, I think there was always like sports films, but I mean, I don't think it. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, Rocky kind of spurred a, a a boost in Hollywood at the time, where you can you know find a hero that is in a competitive sporting mm-hmm. event, you know thing and push forward. But I haven't really th- looked at like the release schedule of sports movies since you know yeah. since the seventies. Uh, to really s- to speak on that, which I think is probably not interesting radio <laughs> to say. Like I don't know, <laughs> but what? <laughs> well, all right. So Hoosiers, what uh, do you know? The, what the definition of a Hoosier is? I mean, Let's like the, the the modern the modern version of it is that it's just someone from Indiana. Like that is that is Indiana that person. is correct. What what's yeah. the non not modern version? Um, I think it had something to do with. Uh shoot, I don't know. No, you'll have to you'll have to school me on that. I feel like it's not All right. it's not it's not the sole definition of what a Hoosier was. Does that am I wrong? Yeah, no, I I I think you're right, but I also don't know the answer to that. So oh, interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> All I know is that yeah, it's somebody from Indiana. So very very plain and simple. The Indiana Hoosiers. Right? Isn't that the that's the college team is the Hoosiers? But yeah, I think so. And this movie called Hoosiers, you know, like, and we're getting ahead of ourselves, but like in Europe, this movie wasn't called Hoosiers. I think it was called Best Shot. Yeah, it was called Best Shot. It was uh, because they they didn't think anyone would understand or know what a Hoosier is. Like, yeah, Hoosiers. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go see that. That sounds cool. (laughs) So. Oh, but basketball gonna... movie called Best Shot. That's that's fun. Yeah. I don't see Hoosiers that name uh, flying around in Berlin at all. You know. Yeah, I guess not. 
but uh yeah i mean that's a that's a deep that's a deep cut for you know the people that live in the hoosier state kind of uh, i think that's yeah it's a nickname yeah that's, that's it's it's their it's something that's their own you know that's their that's their word it's their term yeah. um so the movie was written by angelo uh angelo pizzo and directed by david anspa who is a i think a powerhouse uh sports movie uh tag team because they not only did hoosiers but they also did rudy and the game of their lives so Uh-oh. big sports movies yeah sport sports is their life <laughs> Lives. It's they funny it. because Rudy is. Would you say Rudy is similar to Hoosiers? I mean, I think it's it's sort of the same thrust, right? In terms of the uh, underdog makes good kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, I, obviously, the plot and the characters are a little different, but the undertone of the film is, is really essentially the same. It's the um, you know the the comeback story. The the underdog uh, rising to the top and and you know winning, so that's uh, they're they're pretty darn good at that, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Angelo Pizzo was a Warner uh, Warner Brothers like TV writer, and then he switched over to Time Life Films, which I don't even I'm not sure what you know movies were released there, but I think he was like president of production of time life films and while he was working there he wrote this movie and and had known uh had known david anspa who was a tv director he did like miami vice and you know other shows around that you know those early mid 80s um and they kind of connected and started pitching this for i think they pitched it around town for like two years before uh orion got a hold of it and uh decided to move forward Orion, remember Orion? Orion was yeah. like that was like the mark of excellence, wasn't it? Love for a long time, lo- love that logo. I feel like we've talked about other films under the Orion umbrella. Well, I'm sure we have. I'm sure we have. But yeah. it's it's really like when that when you'd see that that logo come up, you knew you know some good shit was going down. Absolutely. Uh, so they picked the film up, but they really like wanted to keep it very low budget. So it's only a six million dollar budget movie. Um, yeah. That's like really trim for uh, you know sports movies are going to have crowds and background, and you know that you have to schedule them carefully because obviously like you need people you know who look like basketball players and making real shots and you can't really like fake it especially in a movie like this no of course like it's uh it's got to look good and uh you're gonna you're gonna have to get it right like the first time you don't have time to waste um yeah but uh yeah so keeping it low budge like you know they shot it in indiana i mean this is uh where mm-hmm. things cost, there's nothing. Nothing costs anything over there. <laughs> like a loaf of bread was nothing compared to L.A. You're gonna go to Indiana. You're gonna you're gonna shoot things. It's yeah. Um, but isn't it? But isn't it like most of the town, other than like your Gene Hackmans and Dennis Hoppers, uh, and you know, sort of the main cast, all the you know, all the players, everybody, they're all local boys who aren't actors, right? They're they're players first. They're not the yeah. All of those, all of the. All the basketball team players—they are all local actors um, who were were you know local players who were also actors. And this was 
for most of them, it was their only real break. I mean, one of them, they got David Niedorf, who plays Dennis Hopper's son in the movie, and one of the you know players on the team. Uh, you see him in Platoon, and you you did he did yeah. pop up for a while in some other movies, but uh, yeah. this was this was it for really the rest of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Niedorf, like, yeah, he was doing Platoon at the same time, or like right after Hoosiers or something. But like, yeah, a lot of the a lot of the the folks like Ollie, the the little short guy. I mean, like these were all just actors, or, or excuse me, just people, just ball players, right? Like, you know, yeah. and and legitimate ball players, like in their college years, like these were people around teams that went to the finals and 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 or you know had made uh, were, were getting through their tournaments like they they weren't just right. some schmoes like these were people that really knew what they were doing i think right right and uh you know this was written it was based on the i uh, was at the milan high school in uh who i think was actually in illinois i want to say but uh in 1954 uh, was the team that that they based this movie off of this kind of like true underdog story? No, I mean Milan was from Indiana. I mean Indiana. Oh, it was right, Indiana? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're right there next to Illinois. I mean, yeah, they're are, well. I mean, Indiana and, and Illinois are, are touch. They touch the long the long parts of the states touch each other. Ah, yes, I see that. I've got my globe here, and uh, <laughs> there they are. They're yeah touching each other. <laughs> that's what they do. I don't know. It's not to make it weird. That's just what it is. So the plot of the movie, just real uh, quick to sum it up, is uh, Gene Hackman plays uh, Coach Norman Dale, who, you know, over the opening credits, we see him driving across, you know, across some kind of countryside. And, you know, we don't know from, you know, where exactly he's coming from, but he's hitting crossroads and just going into real, like, you know, Indiana farmland and, uh, yeah. finally settles on, uh, you know, settles down into this really small town um, of Hickory. And, uh, you know, he is the new high school basketball coach. And what was he teaching? What was the class he taught? Was it history? It was like, or? It was like civics and, and civics oh, yeah. and something else. But, like, you don't yeah. – it was just – I think you see him in a classroom for about 90 seconds the entire movie because it's <laughs> – Yeah, uh, yeah. It doesn't really matter. But, yeah, like uh, as part of the coaching job, he has to be a teacher at the school. So, Right. Which I think was pretty common uh, for anyone. Like they, they didn't just hire a coach just for basketball. They were they were educators as well. Right. Yeah, he was – and so he's hired by the principal who's an old friend of his, and he's got some mysterious past. He's – been out of coaching for 10 years and it sounds like something has happened and he's been brought to this you know brought out of i don't know if he's been a recluse or or what but been brought back to bring this high school team back to prominence after its uh, best player has kind of spontaneously just quit the team and uh he's got like five kids on the team or six and uh He's got to, you know, start building, rebuilding them from scratch. And his, you know, mentality and his way of, of coaching this team is very different from what the townspeople uh, expect and wanted to see. And so he's got an abrasive relationship with everybody. And it's kind of they're, they're at odds from the moment he gets there. And, and that's part of the, you know, arc of his character through the movie is, you know, he's trying to coach his team, but he's also trying to 
you know, stand up to these townspeople and, and, you know, for, you know, just try to hold true with what his values are as a coach and the way he wants to do it. And he, he needs to reteach the fundamentals to, to these kids and, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily want to do it the way the townspeople had been kind of, sounds like they were just really managing the team themselves for the most part. Well, like everyone in this small town has a, uh, you know, for them, they have a stake in how successful the team is. I mean, they're not coaching them or they're not even mentors, but like, you know, it's part of their town identity, which any any major sports town like invested in the college in the high school uh, teams it is it's part of their identity and uh people have a an ego about who's coaching them who's mentoring them who's leading them um and so where he's coming in um as a where gene hackman comes in as sort of like a colonel to this like platoon of soldiers you know like this is uh not something they were used to and the town like rejects him sort of um, almost from the get-go, only knowing that he was successful at some point in his career, but not really knowing why he walked away. Like, he became a military man for 10 years. Um, right, but he yeah, was, he was, he, yeah, that's he, right, he was in the Navy or something, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but, like, even still, like, you know, early on in the movie after he moved there, there was, you know, a gathering of of the wise people all, all at the barbershop and, you know, you know, introduce themselves to him, get to know him, <laughs> And they were trying to insinuate themselves and sort of like what they see the team to be, how things should go. Yeah, it's it's like a bullying session, really. In a sense. And like he just wasn't having it and he wasn't even trying to like create conflict. Like he walked away from all that. Like, you know, he knew what his position was. He was hired to do this job. Um, he knows what it takes to be a successful coach uh, for a successful team. Um, and he takes it all in stride, like understanding that, these folks don't really know what they're talking about, so he's going to do it his way, and that's just how it's going to be. And it, obviously it ruffles a lot of feathers for the, the local folks. Well, isn't it like in, in his first scene on the when he first like comes to the high school and meets the team and is on the court, It's uh, he's got one of the townspeople there. Oh, and I blanked on the actor's name, who I love. He's also in Major League. but um, And Simple oh, Plan. Yeah, Chelsea Ross. Chelsea, yeah, Chelsea Ross, yes. Yeah. So Chelsea Ross has been, you know, kind of managing the team while they were looking for a new coach, and he's got, you know, his way of doing it. And, you know, Norman Dale just basically fires him on the spot and says, you know, F you, I'm, we're not doing it that way. So yeah. uh, that definitely starts uh, more of a conflict with the townspeople. One of my, let me just say, one of my favorite townspeople is the – I don't know if he's the sheriff or one of just one of the police officers from the town mm-hmm. who apparently that is his only wardrobe. Oh, I guess. Yeah. He always every, wears his, his, his every time. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, when they're traveling, you know, to the state championships, spoiler alert, um, like he's there in his cop uniform with his gun, like, <laughs> which makes no sense. Like, it's not how you yeah. would go. Does he, I, I this last viewing, I was completely distracted by that. Not to tear the movie down at all, but it's like, what does this guy like have any other shirts? Or maybe could he not bring his gun to every basketball game? I don't know. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> so, uh, 
So yeah, so that's the you know the basic uh, plot of the movie. So he's you know trying to coach this team and and it feels like he is not only is he like teaching the team members of how to work together and how to you know learn the fundamentals of basketball, but he's also teaching like Dennis Hopper who plays shooter. Like he's giving him a chance to. It's all about restarting their lives and and rebuilding and you know. Um, trying to dig out from whatever their problem is you know yeah, for I mean, him it's like he's sorry go ahead no you you're right no i want you to continue so you know for norman dale it's like shaking off his his past and and this is his last shot at coaching it's what he loves and what he wants to do and and it was kind of you know taken away from him for for because he basically punched one of his players right well, that, I mean, we learn later, like, that's why he stopped coaching, is that, yeah, he he had assaulted one of his players during a game, I guess. Over, yeah, it you know, was his best player, coaching. too. Like, yeah. his best player who, you know, just one time, like, didn't listen, it was the wrong moment, and, and he lost his cool, and and his reputation was, was he was done, you know? he he That was it for his career, so this was... You know, that ended his college career. Then he went to the Navy, and now he's out. And, you know, this is his last shot at coaching. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a uh, – it's sort of an – not an olive branch, but, like, just sort of an opportunity given to him by the principal who, you know, kind of recruited him to do this, like that they had a history. Uh, yeah. That it was just sort of like, well, they knew they needed a team. They knew the coach – basically the coach had died, um, and the coach – and Jimmy, who's the 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 real talent of the of the city of the town, um, th- they had a good close relationship. So like he was sort of a father figure to him. And then so that the Jimmy quits after uh, the guy died, and then it was like, well, we need a new coach to take care of things, someone who knows the game. And uh, you know, we don't the, the 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 movie doesn't go in too deep on things that don't revolve around. Uh, Norman Dale's character uh, right. so we don't but um, you know we're following him on this little adventure like he's he's sort of a fish out of water but they don't paint it like a very like he you know he's adjusting to very small town life but they're not painting it like a, any kind of weird way like these mm. hicks these hicks these Hoosiers because I think it's sort of a, a, a depending on where you're from a Hoosier is kind of a like a hick hillbilly and not not it's not an, uh, an endearing term, but um, <clears throat> and I don't the movie doesn't treat it like that at all. It's just like this is the the town he lives in now, and uh, um, you know he's trying to build the best basketball team he can, and he goes to Jimmy, um, and the, you know a lot of things are assumed. You know, like he he told Jimmy, I haven't seen you in class, like meaning he's met this character. He's he's probably talked to him. He's taught him. But he tells him, listen, I don't care if you're on the team. And he kind of gives him a nice little rousing speech about, like, his responsibility and um, his, uh, I don't know, not his responsibility, but what, like, what is, you know, I don't know, what his role is. Yeah, well, he gets, you know, Norman Dale can get on his, you know, on his high horse uh, quite often about, you know, the, the way, like, what the team is and who they are. And like he says later, and, and it's not who they are not. Um he, right. you know, the town wants him to get Jimmy back on the team. He's the, he's the, you know, the Michael Jordan of their team who's gone now. And, and none of the other players really like 
stepped up or were, you know, or thought to be of the level of Jimmy. So he's trying to take what's left of the team to build it. And, and, and that's who he's, you know, sees as the team is those guys that are there. That's the team. It's Jimmy took himself out of the game. So, um, and he doesn't, you know, if Jimmy doesn't want to be there, he's not going to beg him to come back to the team. And Barbara Hershey, who plays Myra Fleener, who's sort of, she's what the, um, she's not the principal, but she's one of the, like, on the town council, and she is kind of Jimmy's caretaker. Yeah. And I think, I think Normandale's neighbor also, I believe. But, uh, you know, she is adamant that, like, She's got a lot of issues with that town. Her, she was born and raised in that town and then moved away and came back. And she, it, it, she's got issues with, like, you know, never being able to leave the town and wanting Jimmy to better himself and, and do something as a career and not just play basketball and, and try to broaden his horizons. Yeah, she sees that people are more than what they are at their at their peak at, you know, 17 years old. So she would want to encourage him to like Jimmy to live, live a life that is, uh, you know, open and, 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 uh, bigger than the basketball talent that he has. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, she, she, she kind of like doesn't want Norman to do anything about this. And, you know, Norman's fine with it. Like, it's just, it's, a, it's so interesting because Jimmy is like this mythic figure, you know? And I think mm-hmm. that's sort of like, you grow up in any town and there's always like a sports legend, local legend, I think like, <laughs> um, and you know, Jimmy is one of those. Uh, and, and he's like a living legend then, you know, in the midst of it. And, yeah. um, and people are sort of, you know, he, people are sort of affected by the decisions that Jimmy makes. He's got off the team, you know, in the first pep rally or whatever, the, the whole school is like, we want Jimmy. And I, I don't even think he he was watching from like in the darkness, like he didn't even yeah the shadows go yeah like he was I'm not gonna be a part of this and it almost seems like he just kind of comes to class whenever he feels like and doesn't you know no one cares like they just let him be yeah it's um, like he's got a free ride sort of yeah and it's a it's a funny thing because it's like he I mean you know basketball's only played for a couple months out of the school year you know it's it's and then we're in the midst of it while we're watching this movie but. Mm-hmm. You know what's his he he has no identity outside of basketball as far as the movie's concerned or um or all, all of that I mean it's 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 very this movie's very much like insular and very like focused on a very specific time in a person's life and a certain a certain few months of their of their lives you know well we don't talk yeah about, and you're go go ahead sorry we we don't talk about anything about for the most part, none of these kids' families, their home life, their their particular, you know, their girlfriends, their parents, or uh, their mm-hmm. relationships, their other friendships outside of the game, all that. I mean, it's this movie is very specifically about this team coming together and like trying to be be a team that can win games and you know go all the way, and that's it. And that, which is fine. I, that's not a com- like me saying that is not a commentary on what this movie lacks or doesn't. But like that's no, that's just what it is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, the movie is about basketball and and a little bit about his relationship with Barbara Hershey and Dennis Hopper. But you know, ultimate, I bet there was a lot of scenes filmed that has that stuff. You know, more character work with with some of these other 
players and the other characters, but uh, yeah. you know, ultimately that's not what the movie is about. It's about what happens on the court. So, uh, and you know, the funny thing about Jimmy is like the more G- Norman Dale, Dale staying away from him actually builds a trust with Jimmy, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. over time. And then Jimmy's the one who ends up saving him from being fired uh, later on in the movie and then decides to, you know, says that the only way um, he'll come back to the team if the town keeps Normandale on as coach when they're they're ready to kind of like put the screws to him. So, uh, yeah. And then once he joins the team, then it's then it's like it's like game on. <laughs> it's game on, baby. But yeah, the team like <laughs> the town was ready to to get him out of there because he was teaching them fundamentals and very specific strategies, and they kept losing. They probably lost four or five times or something like that. But yeah. You know, before anything was going to and probably maybe even more is implied. Uh, and then, you know, the town is going to just kick him out. Like this. And, you know, Jimmy, be, again, he's mythic. He just comes out of nowhere and saves his job. It's not like Jimmy was watching him and like, like you don't get to see any journey of Jimmy, like, you know, finding this respect for him or anything like that. Yeah. And I think it's all, it's all implied. It's just all there. It's. You know, it's you don't necessarily have to show it to get to that end result because that you know, based on his actions, he's like, yeah, he's he's going to save this guy who's trying to transform things. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot like you can read between the lines with these characters and a lot of these scenes. Yeah, well, like when you know his assistant, who's the principal, right? Like who uh, has yeah. a heart attack. You know, you go from uh, Norman Dale getting kicked out of the game to him just sort of like sweating and feeling weird. And then suddenly he's in a bed and being looked after and you don't need the scene where he clutches his chest and falls to the ground. It's just, there it is. Like it, it's very simple. Uh, there's an economy to a lot of the storytelling, I think in this movie. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Which I think, wor- which I mean, only, only betters the film. Yeah. I think it all works because this is a, this is a long, longer movie than I expected it to be. I think it's, it's like an hour and fifty, right, or something. Well, like, you like not long, but you like your hour and twenty-one minute length movies. Ooh, give me an 80, 81, 82 minute movie. Yeah. I'm in and out. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> That's, but like, um, you know, it's pushing two hours, and you know, a lot of the the stuff is, it's yeah, it's it's Norman Dale's journey throughout, and then um, all these all these guys on the team, you. You get, I think, probably three or four montages of them doing their best or their worst, and it. I think it, it's all that shortcut to them as a team and them changing and growing. Um, but you know, and none of their personal issues, none of their lives are like at stake. It's again, it's about the team, and which is something I think is is core to like sports and competitive com- competitive sports and everything. It's like. It doesn't matter who you are when you're not there, but when you're on the field, you're on the court, you're there, you're there for the team um, Mm -hmm. and you give everything you have on the team. So I don't think it betrays anything in terms of like uh, good, like character storytelling or anything. Cause again, the story is it's basketball and it's Norman Dale. So um, it's pretty accurate. It doesn't matter where you came from, what your problems are. You leave that outside the court. And then, uh, um, you know, this is what you're dealing with. Yeah. And, um, should we, you know, before we dive too much deeper into the plot, should we talk about, uh, 
casting for a second. Okay, yeah. So originally, the uh, Anspa was going after Jack Nicholson to play Norman Dale. Oh, I who, love that. Yeah, really wanted to do the movie. So this is 1986, uh, Jack Nicholson. So that's around the time of, what, gosh, like Heartburn and After Terms of Endearment <clears throat> would have been right before Witches of Eastwick. So like that era, you know, obviously post-Shining, Jack yeah. Nicholson. Uh, one of the biggest stars. Gosh, one definitely one of the top stars in Hollywood at that time. Yeah. <clears throat> but... Um, he Jack actually was not allowed to uh, was not allowed to work at that time because he was in a lawsuit with MGM and his whole like work status was on hold for about six months. Oh, so really? as yeah, as much as he, I mean, you know, the the director went out and met with him and they all loved each other and uh, everyone wanted to do the movie, but he's like, if you can wait a year, I'll do it. If not, you know, I I understand. But uh, so they eventually, you know, Hackman, the script got to Hackman and, and he was willing to do it. And and that was, you know, they moved on without Jack. But years later, uh, when David Anspaugh met, he bumped into Jack Nicholson at a restaurant. And and I think it was a couple of years after the movie had come out. And he said, you know, he was just Jack was very complimentary. And, you know, he goes way back with Dennis Hopper and. And Gene Hackman, so he, you know, said that Hackman was great and, and Hopper was great and it was really a, a, an important film. And uh, he took Anspa aside and was just like, uh, but, you know, if uh, if it had been me, it would have been a mega hit. <laughs> <laughs> I could see him saying that. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so funny, but. Yeah, well, I, it, you know, Jack would have been interesting. It, it, I mean, I think I think Hackman was the perfect choice, but Jack would have been an interesting choice. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I th- I think you would ca- you would feel uh, Norman Dale as a bigger character if if Jack was there. I mean, it's his movie, but it's yeah. I think uh, Hackman brings sort of a subtlety to it and. Uh, a real down-to-earth kind of vibe to the whole thing that totally uh, totally of course jack well, is capable uh, of but it's still it's it's him you know he, he's a powerhouse when he's uh on screen i don't know it'd be i think it yeah, would well, be a fundamentally <clears throat> different yeah and i mean gene hackman like looks like a regular person he does not look like a movie star he's not like drop dead handsome gene you, yeah. Oh, he's fine. He he's okay. He's I okay. I can't believe you're saying that. this in front of him. My goodness. I you know I keep it real. I keep it real right here with everybody. So is he just nodding his um, head like, "Yep, I am not handsome." Yep. He's yeah. I'm, I yeah. Fair. It was sort of a fair enough, you know, nod. <laughs> but but you know he's not <clears throat> he's not that uh, he's not George Clooney. You know, um, he looks like he could be. Bobby Knight or a, you know, another, uh, an actual college coach or high, sorry, high school coach. Like he looks like an average, <laughs> I'm going to take that back. He looks like a real person, not a movie star. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's so it just that. helps with the believability of the character. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Uh, whereas get Jack would have had, I, I think Jack would have had that movie star quality, which would have just put it in a different 
category, I think. I, I don't. I mean, I do think it probably would have been a big hit. I think he's right. Uh, just his name at the time was so huge, and Batman was only a few years after this. Yeah. Hackman, on the other hand, was like having kind of a tough time through the early 80s. I mean, he had a huge career in the 70s, um, you know, in the 60s, really, starting with Bonnie and Clyde and then uh, the French Connection and the Poseidon Adventure and even the the, um, Young Frankenstein and Mm, (laughs) Night Moves, which is a great movie that maybe we should look at some point soon. Yeah. Uh, Bridge Too Far and then, of course, the Superman films. Uh, but after that, like between 80 and 85, it was kind of a downswing for him. And I think he was really just trying to figure out like what that next, you know, big role was going to be. So he was a little, uh, his, some of his choices were interesting and a little more daring. And it was, it was really after Hoosiers that kind of brought him back up to sort of the top. Oh, I see. Yeah. The, oh, so this was like a, a reintroduction to what this man can do yeah and in a way and same thing with dennis hopper but you know these guys had had a a, a pretty good run at the top and then just you know i think as things got shaken up in the 80s with stallone and schwarzenegger coming in and tom cruise coming in and you know that post uh you know new hollywood wave you know a lot of those guys from the 70s had to kind of reestablish themselves and and some of them took some time to figure out whereas Gene was about five or six years before he sort of got back on his feet. But I do remember it was like this and No Way Out and Mississippi Burning kind of helped Hackman really, you know, solidify his his footing. And then, like we said earlier, like Unforgiven in 92 was, you know, a huge movie in his career that, you know, he is highly respected permanently after that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, actors go through their phases, you know, like Hollywood changes so quickly um, that new talent comes in and sort of disrupts things uh, and and become the new it thing and Mm -hmm. new hotness. And while we have these like, you know, mainstays, uh, talented people, you know, they're going to take a backseat to those those hip people (laughs) for a little while. And then it's. Yeah. All right. What's the next phase of my career? What's the what's the new thing I'm going to do? uh, I don't know. Yeah. But like, he's that, he's that talented guy that, you know, he's only sort of suffering for a couple, not suffering, but just, you know, a couple of years off, uh, not being the, the big guy. And then, you know, he's back, you know, he, he retakes the eighties and comes back and, uh, continues to work through the nineties. And then until welcome to Mooseport was his last yeah. uh, film. And we'll, we'll get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that but, later, but, but yeah, just make, you know, that's his yeah. last credited role. The um, but it's funny because he actually he did not have any confidence in, in this movie while it was being made. Um, yeah, you know, Anspa was a very this was his first feature, and you know they had met up earlier during the casting process and and hit it off and hung out a few times and had a great time and he was super excited to work with Gene and. Uh, you know, thought it was going to be a great relationship. And, and on one of the first days of filming, you know, Hackman showed up and was not happy and was kind of in a foul mood most of this shoot. And it was one of the shots where he did an interview. David Anspaugh did an interview with Vulture uh, where 
he kind of went into the details, but mm-hmm. they're shooting that opening montage of, of Normandale, like driving up to the town. And there's a scene that got cut out where he gets out of the gas station and talks to the gas station attendant. And they did, you know, a, a take of it from one angle. And then they were, you know, Anspa called cut and was ready to move on to the next uh, scene. And Hackman just blew up at him and just mm-hmm. went off on him for being unprofessional and, you know, he had his head up his ass and he's a phony and didn't know what he was doing and and right in front of that. So right in front of the whole crew. And, um, you know, Anspa was really rattled by this. And that relationship kind of went through the entire movie. Um, it was very combative and, and Anspa was paranoid. And, and he said that Hackman drove him for, to his first anxiety attacks. And yeah. it was like Hackman would yell at him and then... And then when, uh, you know, he would they would do his, finish a scene, the, and the director would ask the actor, like, okay, do you want? Is there anything else you want to try, or you know, are we okay moving on? And then Hackman would just be like, why? What was wrong with it? What didn't you like? Like, kind of just <laughs> right. keeping him <laughs> paranoid. Yeah. Um, you know, apparently Gene, I don't know if it was just at this time or if even if it was all the way through his career, he liked a little bit of chaos on set. I think he liked playing some head games with his directors and or at least some of them. And I, I think it helped keep the intensity of his character. I think that's really what he was. You know, actors are very tricky and relationships with directors can be very tricky. But I think he would play these mind games to just keep that intensity of his characters so real. Yeah. I think, I think he was thriving on sort of the chaos and like the uncomfortableness of, of it. Like if he, if he can create that, like if he's not feeling good, it's like, well, then that's going to give a fresh, you know, he can be fresh or he can have the energy from, and, you know, and then give his character some extra zest or something. Mm -hmm. I feel like, like it seems like, yeah, based on that story, based on the other things about it, it was just like he was, you know, he created create the uh, the chaos to keep everyone sort of on edge and keep keep those scenes interesting because otherwise you're just pointing a camera, people are saying lines, and you're cutting. He seems to be the guy that thrives on like you know having your heart pumping a little bit and keeping yeah. it on on edge. So yeah, that's got well, that's got to be tough for a fresh director, a new director. To yeah, totally. And, uh, I can't even imagine. That sounds like hell. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, I, I think there was it got to a point where Hackman was trying to get Anspa fired, but uh, Orion just you know tried to calm it down and and stuck yeah. with everybody. So, um, you know, Hackman always his characters, whether they're you know good guys or bad guys, he is always very intense. You know, he's never he's never really had like a throwaway performance, even if the movie itself isn't great. He's, you know, one of those actors who's always on his game. But you can tell like there's an intensity to it that I don't know if it's, you know, partial like method acting with him or if it was just needing to stay in a zone, you know. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You should ask him. He's right there sitting next to you. Yeah, he's nope. He just wants me to keep going. He wants to hear the whole thing. All right, cool. Uh, and he um, he actually wouldn't, when the movie was over and they needed to record some ADR uh, at the end of the film, which is, you know, standard stuff at, at the end of any movie, um, yeah. he wouldn't agree to 
coming, you know, I, he lived in, or still lives in Santa Fe. I think he wouldn't come back to do ADR until he saw the movie. And then the first thing he said to Anspa was, how the fuck did you do that? <laughs> so, he, so he, yeah, him going in thinking it was going to be a bomb and a, a wreck. Yeah. And then he sees the film. He's like, oh, fuck, this is a great movie. <laughs> yeah, he thought, he thought, and I don't know, you know, if it was just how people reacted to the script. I mean, I can't imagine it was, but he thought this was the end of his career. And there's actually a scene in one of the montages where he's with Dennis Hopper and he's showing him something or he's, you know, he's showing him something on, on their like coaching book and Mm -hmm. he, their playbook. And, and he, you know, you don't hear what they're actually saying, but he was actually shit talking the movie to Hopper. And they (laughs) like, he thought his career was over. And it's funny because he only really calmed down went once Dennis Hopper showed up because those guys go way back. And, um, You know, Hopper was able to kind of keep him a little more chilled out. Yeah. Um, can we get to Hopper though? I mean, yeah, right. That's where I was. I was leading to Hopper. Uh, My God, you, what a I guy! You, I think you made the segue, right? I mean, uh, yeah. Whew, thank thank goodness for him. He was he was fantastic in this. Fantastic. Well, this was uh, this was his com- You know, this and Blue Velvet were like back to back, eighty five, eighty six. Um, or, or, or I'm sorry, they were both in eighty six. I think. Uh, you know, these were his comeback movies. He was a big, you know, important part of the Hollywood new wave that I'm always talking about uh, in the seventies. With you know, really getting it started with uh, with Easy Rider, and you know, being sort of the first face of change. Uh, with from the old studio system into new Hollywood and all the way through the seventies. But at the same time, he was like a drugged out maniac the whole time as well. So, (laughs) you know, he's not doing movies like the, you know, the roles that Pacino is doing and De Niro is doing. And those guys, Uh, he's doing, you know, easy rider and the last movie, which, you know, almost never came out. And, uh, you know, where he's creatively in charge, but he would go off and, you know, spend way too much money and not really ended up shooting anything usable. And it's all like drug induced stuff going on. And um, he's got another memorable role in Apocalypse Now, but he became really difficult to work with. Did you ever see um, that documentary Hearts of Darkness about I've Apocalypse never, Now? I've never watched the Hearts of Darkness now. It's, it's great, but in it you can see like, He's just, you know, I don't know if he's on cocaine or what he was doing, but he's really high energy. And Coppola is just basically like, shut up, Dennis. Like, <laughs> just get away. Like, <laughs> he really was that character, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. Huh. Uh, so, you know, the 80s was, was a tough time for him as well because his career had kind of hit rock bottom. People didn't want to work with him. It wasn't work, worth all the drama and trouble that came with it but he went off to rehab and came out with a vengeance with blue velvet and hoosiers both both roles like were had drug or alcohol uh influences to those characters so yeah yeah i can't imagine how hard that must have been to just you know once you're clean and sober like to have to play those particular roles 
Yeah, just to embody like what you, like what you feel and what you are and how you act and 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 how you feel when you're on these substances and all of that and have to fake it. You know, you, you know how to act it. And then like what is that after you've been basically trying to face your own demons or face the, the these things that are that have a hold on you? And then to commit yeah. that to camera, I mean, it just any any anyone who has those substance abuse problems, and then plays characters that have to address it. It's it's a very uh, interesting thing as a viewer. Um, yeah, so I mean, to be able to do that is is uh, quite quite a feat. Yeah, and it really worked though. I mean, he was nominated for an Oscar for this, and yeah. you know, a really powerful performance. Uh, one of the subtle like techniques he would use, I think that he learned from James Dean, um, was before the scenes where he was drunk, he would spin himself in circles like right before they rolled, uh, so that he would, as he went like when he stumbles out on the court, like mm-hmm. he just spun himself around a whole bunch of times, so he is really physically out of it as well. <laughs> well, yeah, um, that seems but, so interesting to me because I was like, boy, he's like overacting that drunkenness. But it's like, yeah, if he's like dizzy as hell, I can see it. It makes sense. Yeah. But it really worked because, it, I mean, those were solid roles. He proved he was clean. He proved he was, you know, more easier to work with again. And his career, you know, he had his second whole second life to his career. Yeah. We would see him uh, again. And, and, Later in Super Mario Brothers in 1993. <laughs> yeah, and Waterworld, but and Speed. <laughs> he was great in Speed. Well, shut up. <laughs> he is. I'm gonna no, sh- I mean, I'm gonna shut you in, down right now. <laughs> maybe not in Super Mario Brothers, but he's great in both those movies. Oh yeah, yeah. You know the, the Speed. Yeah. <laughs> he, you know, had a lot of. I mean, he's another guy. Like in the 90s, he was doing what Sam Jackson uh, did in the 2000s. Like he was just in everything he was just working all the time and in so many movies and and yeah. projects but his reputation was saved and uh you know memorable he, he had so many other memorable performances but i, I love dennis hopper and i oh. actually got to meet him once and uh wow. super nice guy yeah oh that's nice wow. yeah but uh who else so uh barbara hershey also in this movie coming yeah. off of uh Boxcar Bertha, uh, The Right Stuff, The Natural, and Hannah and Her Sisters. Great actress. Yeah, geez. Wow. Yeah, she was, yeah. No, it was great to see her again in this, <laughs> rewatching it for the, the podcast. And it's like, ah, oh, yeah. she, she's so good. <laughs> she, uh, you know, I, I have a feeling her character was cut down in the editing room as well. I feel like there was more to their relationship, you know, their love story uh throughout the film but it just got trimmed down to keep the focus on the basketball stuff it might be yeah that's that's the thing these other care a lot of these characters suffer um from you know the economy of of trying to tell this story about this team but i mean she and she and uh gene get a lot of good scenes together i mean i feel like they it seems combative in the beginning and then it, it softens and then they sort of come to an understanding with each other um, and, uh, you know, she's on his side, uh, she, you know, she has to turn over to his side and support him or not has to, but that's what, that's where she ends up. So it's, uh, I, and I feel like it's all justified. Like it makes sense. Um, and then I don't know, it, it, I guess, yeah, there, there could be more there 
Um, but I think maybe what we got was enough. Yeah. Oh, it definitely works. I mean, you know, the, where they left it was like, you get the gist of it and you're with it and you, I feel like you believe it. It's not, it doesn't feel forced, the relationship. No, no, but she's wonderful in this. And, uh, you know, without her, her character support, um, with, without Miss Fleener's support, you know, who knows where, uh, things would have gone for him, for Norman mm -hmm. at the end there. So, uh, but it, there is like I don't know there it's some it's interesting though that like how these characters who interact with Norman, um, you know he's sort of Norman tries to like you said it's like sort of his last shot as this coach so it's like it's his redemption story you know as a guy who physically assaulted a kid uh, that he coached you know as an authority figure um, that you know he's trying to find a, a new path. And then you know he's fine, he's coming up against all these obstacles, and then he he has his support from some of the men you know like the the principal who ends up having the heart attack. I think he's a principal right isn't he the guy who has yeah, the heart attack yeah. who ends up yep. assistant coaching him, and then um, you know the guy who hired him, and then he but he like put him in charge you know basically by getting kicked out of the game, and then and the same thing like he's trying to help. Uh, Dennis Hopper's character Shooter, Shooter trying to help yeah. Shooter find his redemption, but he's really forcing it on him. Like, you know, he, he's like, yeah, he, he offers him a job. Like, if you clean up, you you can, you know, because basketball was Shooter's life, and uh, and he knows what he's talking about. But he's like, to make him do right by himself and by his kid, you know, if he cleans himself up and can and 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 shows up every day on time. He can coach, and he could find this new path. Um, but then he gets himself kicked out of a game, and Shooter fails, you know? And then he gets himself kicked out of a game again to really make sure he he can pick himself up. But then, of course, after that, he you know, Shooter fails again. He finds himself coming onto this court drunk. And um, it, it's a lot of pressure to be, you know, given all this these chances and when he didn't even ask for them. I mean, it, it – Yeah. Well, it's, it, I mean, but rough. he needed the help. Like, he yeah. he needed it, and and Norman Dale is forcing, it, like you said, is forcing it on him. There was there was actually a scene written at the end where you see that Shooter has left rehab and is at the game, the, oh. the championship game, and Hopper. Well, I'm sorry, they didn't shoot it. It was written, uh, but Hopper really objected to it and was because he had just gone through sobriety. Uh, he kind of demanded that this isn't faithful to the character. If you do that, it means Shooter's not taking his rehab seriously. So uh, they left him in the hospital room, so he's kind of watching or listening from afar. So is it the idea that he escaped and, like, left early? like Yeah, or checked himself out or something. You know, I don't, I don't know the specifics, but... But, yeah, That's... I mean, it is, it's redemption for... There's a lot of redemption, I mean not just for shooters character but for hopper himself so there's a lot of mm -hmm. subtext uh, th that's going on here and um you know i don't think you know hackman and there's a lot of similarities between hackman and norman dale sure you know with where they are in their careers at this point and their and their intensities and you know if hoosiers had failed maybe that would have been it for 
uh, for Hackman. I mean, he did yeah. Superman four strictly for the money, yeah. and you know, it wasn't uh, a lot really going on yet. And then it was this that triggered the rest. So yeah. Yeah. maybe there, if if this failed, maybe there wouldn't have been a No, a no Way Out or a uh, Mississippi Burning. Maybe those roles wouldn't have come to him. Right. That's true. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a delicate balance for actors who, you know, are around for decades and what, what's the next thing and what's the next phase of their career. How does Hollywood mm-hmm. want to look at them? How do audiences want to look at them? Um, and, uh, you know, he, yeah, I mean, things worked out for, for old Gene. So good for him. We're happy for oh, him. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he had a great rest of his career, but, uh, yeah. one other thing I want to talk about is the Jerry Goldsmith score. Yeah, let's talk about it. How how amazing is this score? I love it. I mean, this is uh I would I had a little playlist for when we were doing the softball thing and there was some rocky songs on there, but there's some definitely some tracks from Hoosiers were on there to to get us pumped up. Yeah, it's a it's an iconic soundtrack really fits the the energy of what um of of what the sports movies about i feel like it's yeah yeah i don't know it fits perfectly the the in terms of tone in terms of um aesthetic uh production design the music fits all of that so well and uh really establishes like where you're supposed to be as a viewer an audience member a person in the stands <laughs> kind of thing i don't know it's really great i really enjoyed it yeah, and it's surprisingly like he's using different a different sound for this. It's very electronic and, um, yeah, you know, synthesized kind of score. Not a traditional orchestra that he would use for like Star Trek: The Motion Picture and First Blood and and whatever else. You know, I mean, he's done so many. So, yeah. uh, you know, Jerry Goldsmith is one of the top uh, composers for film of all time. Like, I mean, he's top two or three for me oh sure but uh well this he, is this is up there but it sounds it's different which is what i like about it yeah and i mean i think it keeps it like you know it's got that 80 and sort of a little bit of an 80s feel to it and that with the, like the synth and all that but also it's like you can't get so grandiose you can't have a lot of you can't have horns and like launchings like that you would launch spaceships into into orbit mm-hmm. you know you you keep it sort of down to earth and it's sort of a uh, a little more it's a little more grounded the whole thing it's it's like you you feel it in yeah. your bones it's like a it's like a it's like a i don't know like a rock song or just like an anthem it's like an anthem he's like playing anthems for you to just like get pumped about um when you're following these guys in this journey uh, and these montages all of that so yeah a, yeah i think it, it's a a gr- it's a like a perfect fit like he knew exactly how he knew what this movie needed, um, and it, uh, I don't know. I think he executed it great. It's a great soundtrack. Great score. Yeah, definitely. If you haven't listened to the score, just listen to it on its own. You know, when you're taking a bath or something, yeah. uh, you know, just put it on, light a candle. Um, you know, it, it's a good time. Yeah, whether you're taking your 10 a.m. bath, your 2.30 p.m. bath, or your 9.30 mm-hmm. p.m. bath, like me, you know, find an opportunity, throw this on, on a vinyl record player in your bathroom. Yeah. It must um, be that. Yeah. And that's really, you're going to, you're really going to have a good time. Uh, the, so what do, what do we think? We're going to hit the box office. Uh, actually, you know what? Let's do box office right now. Okay. Let's talk BO. 
yeah, so they shot the film in October through December 1985, kind of all over Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was released on November uh, 16th, 1986. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a $6 million budget, like we said earlier. It brings in $28 million worldwide, so definitely a, a hit for Orion. Yeah. I mean, it's like top 35 for 2000, excuse me, for 1986. uh, Yeah, I've got it at number 33, right between Children of a Lesser God and your favorite movie of that year, Soul Man. Oh, not Jumpin' Jack Flash? (laughs) Not Jumpin' Jack Flash. Oh, I had it above, well, yeah, I do have it above Soul Man, (laughs) but underneath (laughs) Jumpin' Jack Flash. Anyway, yes. Uh, Yeah, so no, it's a... A, a nice modest hit for an, an 80s movie does does well uh critically acclaimed brought in a couple oscar noms unfortunately not for gene don't worry about it yeah gene. It's it was what you, uh hopper hopper and goldsmith right yeah hopper and goldsmith going for those noms i don't think either one but you know it, it certainly brought attention to it this was a late season you know it's a late season movie so it was perfect oscar season uh film uh and uh yeah i think it probably continued nice nice all through the new year and you know for a couple of months um i'd have given i'd have given hackman a nomination for it i would have what you know what else was up uh for best actor for the 86 well 86 was platoon it was top gun it was aliens um trying to remember what else hannah and her sisters was also earlier in 86 yeah uh actor wise i can't remember let's see i am seeing Am I seeing William Hurt for Kiss of the Spider Woman winning? Oh, ch- uh, yeah, Sorry. yeah. Is that right? Uh, and then he was up against uh, Harrison Ford for Witness, James Garner. Witness, right. Jack in Prizzy's Honor, and John Voight. Mm-hmm. So it's a tough, tough five spots for the actors in leading roles. Hackman yeah. obviously fits right in there. So, uh, you know, he just he just ended up probably f- sixth or seventh in the, the weighted yeah. voting. But um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think the uh, do you think the film holds up? How do you think it works in twenty twenty? It's it's interesting. I feel like the the movie is uh, it, it crystallizes a bit of that bootstrap mentality kind of uh, way of improving of self improvement that very popular among someone in the eighties and also the parents of people of the eighties. You know that where this this story takes place. You know that you know really you're the only one capable of your own sort of redemption but mm-hmm. but there are people but i think i do think there's that message of like being part of something um helps that continue you, you like the team mentality that um and all the support from loved ones you know like you know hopper's character is he's redeemed his son is on the team you know so it's and his son hated him in the beginning of the movie didn't really tolerate his behavior his drunkenness all of that and found a way to sort of forgive him and love him by the end um, that he, you know, he tried to show uh, that he was, uh, he was trying to be a, a, a good coach, a good father and, and, you know, a recovering uh, substance abuser. And his, his son found a way to love him, you know, and the same thing like Gene who, you know, Normandale hit a kid off, you know, 20 years before the story takes place. And if we, if they, <laughs> They showed that. I don't know if how sympathetic we would be to him, even if it was 20 years later. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, 
I think this story, this this entire story is about no one is perfect, everyone is flawed. People make really shitty mistakes sometimes, and uh, what what can come next? What can come in the next phase of your life? So, um, with that, uh, I get it. You know, the bootstrap mentality of it all, it, it kind of does work. You know, I mean, Dale is a bit abusive to his 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 teammate not his team but not abusive but like you know he's playing that colonel he's hard on military he's tough on him yeah he's definitely tough on them and i you know it sort of sort of celebrates that idea of like it doesn't matter who you are well and just like i was saying it doesn't matter who you are outside this team if you want to be on this team this is what your life has to be and uh whether or not you agree with that uh you know that's what it is and it, it works for that 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 story um I don't like team sports probably particularly because of that kind of idea, but, um, you know, to, or at least to participate on them as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it works for the most part. I think there's things to learn from this that, um, you know, we can see the difference of how we may have evolved as, as people in terms of, um, team sports, youth sports, all of that. But, um, I think it, I think it all still sort of works, uh, with that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, good sports movies sort of transcend time. And I think this, yeah, it's set in the 1950s, but I don't think that really matters so much because I think you can relate to the characters and relate to the situation regardless of time. Um, You know, the story of Norman Dale and his relationship with the players and the team itself uh, you know, it it is as relevant now as it was then, and the strong performances from everybody are you know will help it you know stay alive forever. I mean, and it was inducted into the Library of Congress, and I think I want to say two thousand one, but I could be wrong about that. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a its legacy is I think very safe uh, going forward. It's one of my favorite sports movies one of you know it's it's high up there on my movie list in general like any you know it's that um inspiring story and um you know it's it's just it's a really solid film and and i highly recommend it to everybody who either hasn't seen or hasn't watched it in a while right okay yeah i mean yeah i i'm with you go see it tell your friends <laughs> go uh go to your local local video store and uh check it out on either vhs betamax or dvd yeah or you laserdisc know, you yeah. know spike lee also brought up a point of you know there's you know the way the the african-american team who they play in the finals are portrayed like they're just like the villains and the bad guy the nameless bad guys and yeah. um I don't, you know, I I see where he's coming from, and I I, I see what he's talking about. I think this <clears throat> particular story, because it is based on a real team and real people and a real situation, I think, you know, I don't know if I agree that it's it's racist. Um, I think it's just about this team that happens to be of white players in Indiana. I don't, you know, I don't think it was intended for those. Uh, to make any kind of racial statement. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I think the the, um, yeah, like they weren't painting the the 
the final team as like yeah villains i'd say but because the the other team i think in real life was an integrated team um right. i think there was only two or three black players on that team but that they beat yeah. in that that in that uh buzzer beater game um where so I, I sort of get though like that literally you don't see a black person until the final the final game in the mm-hmm. entire movie where someone like spike lee might say like yeah okay so you know all these white people are trying to make good and then all of a sudden now their biggest adversary is um a team of with black black characters um i you know they certainly don't come off as villainous they certainly come off as um i'd say like just nameless um you know personalities which a lot of the movie is like the Jimmy character, the mythic character who is the hero of everything that everyone stakes everything on, he doesn't have like a real personal scene. He doesn't do anything in the movie. Like he mm-hmm. only has a few. He's barely lines. got any dialogue. Yeah, so he's just this guy you assume is this great thing, and like, you know, the, you know, you can sort of look at it cynically and like, well, you can only win if you really have an ace in the hole, and you better make sure he's happy. You know, like because without Jimmy, I don't think they would have won, but. They don't focus on how he's like the all-star. You know, he's not Teen Wolf. Like, you know, that team was winning games because of <laughs> Teen Wolf uh, until yeah. he, he decided until the last game not to bring the wolf out. But anyway, um, but I can see where Spike Lee came from, probably an immediate reaction of like, yeah, great. This, the white team makes good and beats even the black kids who are statistically probably better, you know, <laughs> like at all this. Yeah. Uh, all that. So I, I, I can understand that, but um you know for for what the era is and i guess i'm fine with like i guess historical accuracy because that's just what it is and i and i don't think the filmmakers had any other intent like you were saying like to just sort of portray it as it was in indiana basketball um at the time and and really it's just about this one i mean this is a fictional team but it's it's really loosely based on this very specific team uh yeah of, of white kids um in milan so um yeah uh yeah i don't know were you gonna say something else before i sidetracked us on that um no i think we're just sort of touching on it i I, no i don't think so i think we i think okay listen i for you and i as two white guys talking about a basketball movie about the culture of of basketball in any stretch the imagination i don't know if we're perfectly equipped to talk about that versus you know what's what basketball is today as a as a uh you know multi-million dollar business uh Mm -hmm. and and certainly something that is probably more infused with um black culture in america than it is white culture um you know we're we're really talking about just this film as it is and really the story um and uh so you know i i I just want to say that our scope is limited in a certain way um to really touch on all these things but to talk about just this movie and all of that and what what this was about uh i'm glad we were able to do that so overall how many uh how many jack burtons do you give this film oh right what's our scale is it five out of third thir- 13 <laughs> 13 <laughs> that's right i keep forgetting um oh yeah, yeah, yeah. i uh i'm gonna go with this is like an eleven and a half for me. Eleven and a half. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would go. I would go like twelve. I'm gonna go twelve out of thirteen. Jack Burton's. There you go. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It probably loses yeah. points for me because 
Uh, I don't like basketball. <laughs> well, there you have it. There's my <laughs> terrible reason for... There's my deduction right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, so this was... Uh, this was fun. It was always a, a good time looking back at this movie, and we're going to be continuing Hackathon 2020 all yeah. throughout the month of April. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, we've got we've got well, a couple more coming your way, and we've got. Uh, I'm thinking about night moves. You want to try night moves as our next one? We can talk about it off air, but uh, well, if you're saying it on air. You're kind of well, we can argue it out if, if you're opposed to it, but that's okay. that's got yeah. my vote. So okay, sure, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, check us out on our social media accounts. We're on uh, Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook at Reconsidimation Podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts as well, and where else are we, David? We're wherever Podbean, Stitcher. Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast, uh, wherever you yeah. get podcasts. That's where we're at. So come check us out. Download us. Yeah, subscribe. Tell your friends. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you uh, have any requests you want to hear us cover down the road, don't, you know, don't hesitate to send us a DM or, a, a, you know, a, a comment on one of our social media platforms. And don't forget to go to, uh, I think you can still go to Apple Podcasts to give us a five-star rating and review and it it helps boost the show so uh if you guys could do that take 20 seconds to do it that'd be amazing uh but yeah we're uh we're about out of time i gotta i gotta take gene back to his ranch in santa fe so um i gotta step out david it's all you oh uh thanks everybody uh we love you uh love each other be good to each other And we'll see you on the next one. Bye now.